Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Welcome to the AEW Rampage Review. I'm Adam Wilborn from What Culture, joined by one of the Dudley Boys, Michael Hamplett from What Culture, to review everything that happened on Friday night's episode of Rampage. But before we get into it, if you're a fan of this sort of thing, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling on either iTunes, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from, for daily wrestling podcasts where we not only review AEW Rampage, but also AEW Dynamite, Raw, SmackDown, NXT 2.0. Oh. Interviews. We have interviews, roundtable discussions, and a round of the week complete with a bloody good quiz, of course, on WrestleCulture. As I said, though, joined by Hamlet to review the best show of the week to review because it's only an hour. <laughs> yeah, the... um. The hour runtime. It's a bit of a treat for me getting a rampage. Me and Cedric have done a rare swap this week. A uh, bit of a treat for me getting oh, the one hour show. That is from you, by the way. Oh, Christ, I know. And you know what? It wasn't even one I had to make, Tim. It wasn't even my pass. <laughs> he very generously offered to uh, to do the swap this week. Uh, what was he thinking? What was he thinking? I don't think much of either show, but I know which one I'd rather watch in the case of buying average wrestling shows. It's the one hour one rather than the two. This was, at times, it's all about standards, this game. It's all about standards and... I hold AEW to the highest standard and I don't think they're fulfilling that brief presently. And whilst there were moments genuinely in a one hour wrestling show that approached real artistic brilliance, there were some that would only be considered artistically brilliant if they were being submitted for the Turner prize. That's the one where it's like cows cutting <laughs> half a point for that one. Yeah. Like it's, it's in a bit of a weird space. A lot of AEW's stuff at the moment. We um apologies, I'm not gonna go over this all again, but it's there in your feed if you want to go back and listen to the rampage preview. Myself and Michael Sidgwick, in the last sort of 10 minutes of that, sort of lost ourselves in a debate, not a debate because we were agreeing, but a discussion about the state of the AW mid-card. So much so that, like, and I should be doing this on air, this should be backstage stuff, but we were thinking maybe there's actually a podcast in this because AW don't feel right, does it? Mm, no, I agree. I agree. I've got a weird, it's sort of been creeping in uh, for a while now, in fact. Um, it's, uh, I, I, do you know what I think is what's going to happen? Uh, I've mentioned mm. this already on a podcast today. It's, I'm very excited about it. So I'm probably going to mention it in every podcast. It's the work Christmas party tomorrow night, which means on Wednesday, we're going to be reviewing the with a hangover, a severe yes. hangover, quite possibly, which could be very interesting. But also that means that our dynamite preview 
which normally records Wednesday afternoon, it's going to become really sort of introspective, I think, because <laughs> you know, in that moment where you're like, oh, I really need to have a look at myself, like <laughs> after a night out. Well, we're going to be doing that around AEW. And if you're thinking right now, oh, it's a shame Sidge isn't on the, uh, the Rampage uh, review. Uh, first of all, just be nice to Hamlet. It's one of the dad. It's one of the dadlies, you know. Could be a lot worse considering some people we got in our office. <laughs> this is it. You're still getting your elite tier content. Yeah, but also, it- if you want to know Michael Sidgwick's thoughts on AEW, buy his new book, Becoming All Elite: The Rise of AEW. It's available right now. WhatCulture.BigCartel.com. Right, let's dive straight into AEW Rampage, which I was stunned to see uh, was missing Chris Jericho on commentary. Apparently, uh, backstage attack on Wednesday uh, cut him out of the show, which must be why he was able to fly to Newcastle days before <laughs> that to go to a Weatherspoons here in Newcastle. Anyway, it's Excalibur Taz. Did you see? Sorry, we have to do this. Did you see, in terms of uh, Chris Jericho's culture tour of uh, this latest leg of his Fozzie World Tour, he's been pictured outside of a Weatherspoons and in Ireland, want to take a guess? Like, uh, uh, I'm not going to guess because I'll probably get done for sort of racial profiling. So I'll, I'll, I'll save my answer till after you tell me what it was. Why did I even say what I guess? Because I was potentially throwing you under the bus there, wasn't I? No, he took a picture outside of a Paddy Power bookmakers. <laughs> <laughs> a Weatherspoons and the book. Basically, Chris Jericho is living the life I would if I didn't have a job. Yeah. I'd like, go to the bookie. I'd go to the bookies first thing, then I'd try and hit Weatherspoons for a breakfast, just trying to like. <laughs> So, like, instead of having a literal pot to piss in, I'd just try and make a tenner last a day and go in their toilets. Uh, another peeling back of the curtain, which I probably shouldn't do. There was occasions where we were in our old office because there was a there was a spoons right across the river, uh, and it was on the like, Jericho's Jericho's local. In fact, it is that one that he was taking the photo outside of. Yes, uh, that me uh, Hamflet Jules was involved in this for a while. We go if we drag out the sort of post pay per view stuff. Can probably go and get some breakfast together <laughs> before we go to bed. I do. Oh God, I've forgotten all about that. Oh God, those uh, those blue plates that you just want to fall asleep in and eat your dinner. Like inhale it while sleeping rather than sitting with a knife and fork and a uh, cut into a dippy egg when you've not had. I've you been on Red Bull and crisps for the last yeah. eight hours. Oh, I guarantee. God, I, I guarantee if uh, if Fozzie playing Scotland, by the way, he's going to be. Get there, getting some battered Mars bars, and I, I think he's fine for them. Uh, anyway, right, let's talk about this show. <laughs> Dip, dipping them in a pint of iron brew. <laughs> uh, right, let's talk about this show rapidly. Uh, we'll start with the opener. It was the TNT Championship match. Tony Nese and his tiny knees in a handicap match against Sammy Guevara. <laughs> um, obviously, a bit of history here between these two. Uh, Tony Nese had attacked. Sammy Guevara, I think on Dynamite, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. My weeks are all over the place at the moment. Uh, obviously, uh, Sammy Guevara still got those injured ribs uh, from that wild fight with American top team on the pay-per-view. Uh, immediately, though, Sammy Guevara, to get his own back, jumps Tony Nice at the bell and nails a twisting tope suicida through the ropes to start us off. Um, 
and just starts beating up Tony Nese around ringside, chucking him into the barricade, chucking him into the ring steps, all the usual stuff. Uh, but Kavari, yeah, his injured ribs do affect him, and that allows Nice to catch him with an elevated stomach buster uh, for a nice near fall early on. And then uh, he snaps Guevara's neck across the top rope and then springboard moonsaults from the middle rope for a near fall. Um, nice is, yeah, targeting the quite obvious injury that Sammy Guevara is carrying. Um a bit like Jay Lethal did, I suppose. Um, he uh, grabs a single leg Boston Crab as we come back from the uh, ads. Uh, drives a knee into the ribs whilst he's doing it. Love that touch. Um, Guevara comes back, though, fights back. Series of clothesline, double jump, springboard cutter for an, a beautiful near fall. Uh, counter back and forth between these two brilliantly talented guys. I love both of these. Um, Guevara hits a Spanish fly for a near fall. Uh, and then a, t- a top rope springboard moonsault to uh, Tony Nice, who's bailed out to the floor. But Nice fights back. It's his own twisting tope suicida on the floor uh, and a 450 splash in the ring to get a great two count. Uh, he power bombs Guevara into the corner a couple of times, but as he rushes towards him, Guevara catches him with a leaping pump kick. GTH, one, two, three. Sammy Guevara retains, but at what cost, I suppose? He's selling those ribs brilliantly, in my opinion. I like the ribs. It's the best bit of the... Um... Sammy Guevara act at present because I'm not sure what else there is to this act at present beyond mm. Sammy Guevara's ribs. I like this. I, I didn't love it. And I feel as though it's one of those matches that um, typically we would have said this about um, some, not all, of the matches in the um, old era of NXT where it's kind of impossible to analyse beyond just saying, well, you see that good wrestling you're watching? Well, it's good wrestling. You know, like that. it didn't... Nothing particularly, well, I didn't feel anyway, other than Sammy's ribs. And it was signposted from Wednesday's Dynamite attack and we knew it was going to factor in. So they kind of, it was a free pass, really. It wasn't something they needed to build into the body of the match. It was something that was already there. Beyond that, I I didn't sense that there was even the urgency or impetus to tell a story. There was Mm -hmm. just that and a series of very well-executed moves. Um, I love watching, I, I love watching Sammy Guevara work as the underdog babyface who is cocky at the same time, I think that's a real skill. And mm. I don't think many people can do that because like, look at him. Everything about him should be a heel. And yet he has the ability, the knack to wrestle as this underdog, which works so perfectly in this role. If only you were a little bit more invested in the storylines. Mm-hmm. A lot of this, it's funny that you invoked Jay Lethal's name there because a lot of this mirrored that. Mm. Yes, you're watching good wrestling, good moves, etc. But it's just all just happening. It's all feeling very for the sake of it. And this is why we kind of laboured on that point at the beginning of the podcast, because we're going to go back to it here. AEW wants you to always look at the the immediate, in the case of Sammy Guevara and Tordinese, the the sort of the micro details. Mm -hmm. But it wants you to think about the macro too. And what really is Sammy Guevara's TNT title run? Is it just going to be a series of these half-decent, half-baked wrestling matches, whilst the mid-card, and we're going to get to this, Christ almighty, are involved in chaos. <laughs> a, man is on, a man is on fire on Wednesday night. And does any of this relate to any of this? It, it doesn't feel joined up at all. No. And I just, the, what sucks, the, what saps the passion out of any I can summon for Sammy and Tony Nese is just this feeling of, well, who, like, are they on a bit of an island, really? Who's, like, who's this for? Do you even feel that by getting a victory over the gun club, Darby Allen's got one eye on Sammy Guevara, or no, yeah, does exactly. MJF and 
MJF and CM Punk feel like they're above it, way above it, you know? Oh, yeah. Eddie, Eddie Kingston, whatever he's doing, feels way above it. I just, this made me lament more on the big picture problems more than it did celebrate the work of the two men. And I, that's sort of, I guess that's been the, the subject of Sammy's TNT reign at present. Good stuff, yeah. but nothing I'll ever watch again or think about again. Yeah, and my, my issue is, and, and you know, this this separate discussion point all around, you know, Jay Lethal being in AEW. But my issue is that some people that they do bring in as this credible threat to uh, Sammy's title reign is they do stuff like this. I have a great match, really enjoyed it. I knew exactly what was going to happen. I didn't really bite on any of the near falls, if I'm perfectly mm. honest, but it was an enjoyable match nonetheless. What next for Tony Nese? They, they bring Jay Lethal in, and I haven't seen him since he fought for the title. Um, you know, and, and people's opinion is divided upon him. Uh, but I love Tony Nese. I always felt like they could do so much more with him. And those goddamn abs. <laughs> um, but it's about how they follow this up for him, isn't it? Rather, if he just disappears back onto dark. Because I, you know, I love wrestling. love watching wrestling. I watch a lot of it for my job. I ain't got time or necessarily even the desire to watch everything on Dark and Dark Elevation. So if they ain't on Dynamite or Rampage, I'm not seeing them for months on end. It feels like the best chance you've got. Yeah, when you get a hype, when you're sort of signed with a bit of hype and then you get a title shot and you lose that title shot, as has now happened for both Jay Lethal and Tony Nese. Either, well, I mean, who knows? Maybe they're going to form a stable with each other. Maybe this is a one big thing, but it feels like you kind of have to be put into a group for, the, for you to stand a chance in AW. You kind of, like, this didn't work. I was overconfident. I didn't respect that when they say all elite, they mean all elite. And I've come into a league that I wasn't ready for. So now I've got to rethink and I've got to recalibrate. And that can work over the long term. I'm not like the men of the year aren't exactly moving mountains, but Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky weren't really going anywhere. And then they found each other. Mm. So you can put people together and it can like, it can like, I was thinking about Tony Neese because he's patter. I was thinking how great it would be if you turned Daniel Garcia babyface and you put Tony Nese with 2.0 and mm. you've got like 2.0 2. doing boom, look at this one, boom, on each of his abs. Just like, <laughs> for, like off the top of my head. But there are ways in which you can fold a lot of these wrestlers in because you've got such a character-driven roster. But I, it's, you've now got to do that because he's, well, he's taking a shot and he's missed. Yeah. So like you, that needs recovering now, which is, Always, obviously, in their plans is to recover it. Yeah, Sammy yeah. Guevara is the, the TNT title has always been the open challenge belt anyway, but it's not just open challenge. It's not like a warhorse match. This is it. No, exactly. But Tony Neese and Jay Lethal are in, so it's like, right, what do you actually do with them now? Mm. Uh, what followed was uh, more breadcrumbs in the Christian Cage versus Jungle Boy story that hasn't been told yet. Uh, he's cutting a promo. He's got Jungle Boy. He's got Luchasaurus there. Um, they're talking about the tag match in the main event. And they're there to scout the tag champions, or at least one half of the tag champions, I suppose. Um, and he talks about the, the role that, that Jurassic Express on, has been on. They've been picking up victories. And look, sooner or later, this look's going to run out. But we're going to try and strike gold whilst whilst we can. Uh and, you know, we guess you've got the continued lessons that, that you guys can learn. And I'm there to help you and help you achieve that success. I, I mean, it, it wasn't anything. This really was it. And yet it was everything. And 
these are the standards with which we want to see and expect from everything else because this was great. This is what we're watching AEW for. This was nothing and yet it was everything. You can enjoy a bit of glib promo work from Christian for the sake of one segment. You can immediately think about the ways in which this eventually feeds into the turn. This feeds into Jurassic Express versus Lucha Brothers for the tag team titles. This feeds into Christian encouraging them to cheat and not doing it. This is encouraging Christian telling Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus to scout tonight's match. Spoiler, what happens in tonight's match? They pull off Penta's mask. Christian is going to tell them to pull off Penta's mask. They're not going to do it. They're going to lose. Christian's going to turn. And then at some point in the storyline, he's going to pull off Luchasaurus's mask to get to Jungle Boy because all of the pieces fit. And that's why this is great and so much better than a lot of the long, laborious stuff they're doing elsewhere. Like, and if none of what I've just said happens, a 30-second backstage promo has encouraged me to think of all of it. And what about in the build to Jungle Boy versus Christian Cage, which for me, probably I'd put on Revolution because that's a banger match. As mm-hmm. much as they want to do TV stuff and they've got TBS and all the you know specials they do. I, I'm, I'm, I just book for pay-per-views, right? That's what I do here. What about in the build, right, Hamlet? Rather than like a mask versus hair match. Luchas- not he has to lose it necessarily forever, right? You know, if you get a mask, you can't put it back on. But to win the match, no pinfall, no submission, no countdown, none of that bollocks. To win the match, Christian Cage has to rip off Luchasaurus's mask, and Luchasaurus has to put a blue dot mask on Christian Cage's face. That's incredible. Jungle Boy could even say that, couldn't he? Yeah, Luchasaurus might wear a mask, but if somebody told you you should have, you ugly piece of shit. Like, welcome, Tony. Where's that fucking check? It's Christmas time. The kids need presents. You're not a dinosaur, Luchasaurus. You're a man. And Jack Perry, you've always been a boy. One one promo. Like, better than the bulk, better than the bulk of what they're doing because of how it makes you think and feel. This is still the this is still the great wrestling company. Yes. Spread out a bit wider. Spread the net out wider again. Uh, anyway, what followed all that uh, was the TBS Women's Champion. Oh, no, sorry. Soon to be TBS Women's Champion, <laughs> Jade Cargill wrecking uh, Janai Kai, I think was her name. I love the nickname, The Kick Demon, by the way. And she had a great look about her, uh, but she got destroyed yeah. in 30 seconds. And that, <laughs> includes, that includes Jade Cargill. By the way, this is uh, Janai Kai, uh, The Kick Demon. Apologies if I'm butchering her name there. Uh, is one of Thunder Rosa's students. She joins commentary for this match, and there's a nice little back and forth between her and Ricky Starks before we get into it. But Jay Coggle goes, go on, I'll give you a free side headlock. Kai's like, uh, okay. Push her off. Pump kick, jaded. One, two, three. Piss off. And then post-match, obviously, Jay Cargill keeps beating her up because so she should. Lock at her. Put that fucking title on her. Uh, and Thunder Rosa runs down, tries to make the save, and then gets this big pull-apart brawl that goes on and the referees have to separate them. And it's a little bit, a little bit all over the shop, but... This did exactly what it needed to do. And this was the 32nd women's match that we get on Rampage. Yeah, this was efficient use of time, but I don't particularly mean that in the complimentary way. Um, They are kind of using and abusing the fact that Jade Cargill squashes people to shine a much shorter light on the women's division at large, which is a problem maybe. Not that I want to piss on your chips. and I think I'm with you in the booking, but it is a slight problem maybe if Jade actually wins this belt. Like, what if this... What if this, what we got here, becomes a title match? And then the status, uh, well, I think, well, I think if I do get the TBS title match every single week, but they've just like got out of filling like nine and a half minutes of TV time because it's 30 seconds instead. 
I, where I think this worked was uh, Jade Cargill looking dominant over a jobber that you might remember. Mm. So Janaika, it's funny, she left an impression, didn't she, Janaika? So I think mm. like long term, we'll maybe one day see her again, especially knowing that she's Thunder Rose's trainee and, and whatnot. That's quite fun. Uh, the, the, the brawl and, and, the, and I don't know, you know, the kiss, demon, I the liked. kiss demon, I, I appreciated that as well. That <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's cute, you know. The brawl was just a sloppier than I would have wanted. Like, Thunder Rosa, we know, I don't know, it's like harsh to say this about Jade Cargill. This is going to be, but Thunder Rosa's got a job on here. Oh, this absolutely. Is gonna be, like, this is going to be a longer match. This is going to be a challenge for what, like Jade Cargill is limited. I love her, but she's limited and that's okay because we're watching her grow and develop. I wanted this brawl to show me that, like, everything's going to be fine. Uh, I don't know. Mm, I kind of, I kind of talk about this content and then criticize something that hasn't happened yet. That match might rule. I just didn't think a, a huge amount of this brawl. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Before we go any further, though, this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Now, we all carry around different stresses. They can be big life worries or just, you know, little things like your favorite wrestler not being used properly. The thing is, when we keep them bottled up, it really can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. It is really helpful, too, for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. Therapy basically empowers you to be the best version of yourself. So why not give better help a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and best of all, suited to your schedule. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash whatculture today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P.com slash whatculture. Adam Cole and the Young Bucks cut a promo backstage. Adam Cole is furious. Orange Cassidy interrupting him when he was going to be on commentary. What match for? Who knows? Who cares? Um, and uh, the Young Bucks are not happy about their best friends. Don Callis walks in the background of this one. I was like, where have you been? Well, I don't know. Maybe that'll be followed up. Um, 
but yeah, they're, they're, they're furious with them uh, and, and the, the, way the way they've been acting recently. Uh, and they challenge them to a good old-fashioned tag match on Dynamite with any two members who think they're good enough in best friends. It's funny you mentioned Don Callis, Will Vaughn. Um, I do think he was there for a reason. And it's typical with the elite that a lot of the time you have to sit and wait for these things to really show themselves. But as well as Don Callis, did you notice, not for the first time, that um, Brandon Cutler was getting a bit of a bollocking off the boys to take an yeah. ease, turn the camera off. He didn't press the red button, did he? He was taking his taking his sweet time. Couldn't work out how to turn that, the video off. That is not the first time he's let that video run. And uh, who hasn't watched a tape yet? And who likes to talk about what people should and shouldn't see? And why might all of this eventually matter down the road? I just thought that was nice. I appreciated mm. what I thought was something I was supposed to see there for future use. Yeah, it was a nice touch. And yeah, Young Bucks versus two people in the best friends. Yep. Perfect. Thank you. See you on Wednesday. Yeah, all right. I'll take that, yeah. All right. Uh, we get a recap uh, of Chris Jericho, of course, even when he's not on the show, uh, getting beaten up uh, by the uh, best tag team in AW. And then we get <laughs> Eddie Kingston cutting a promo, saying how much he doesn't care what happens to Jericho. But as far as he's concerned, I love the way he says the word partner. You, you reap what you sow, partner. Are they going to be, because both of them have said... I don't care about what you did to that other guy. I'm in this for myself, but I really hate 2.0. They're going to team up, aren't they, Chris Jericho and Eddie Kingston? Yeah, but can they coexist? <laughs> That's the big question. Look, they they did a match at full gear that was a battle of teams that couldn't coexist. And everybody at first thought, what a cool meta gag. And then it literally became a match where teams couldn't coexist. Like, that, it wasn't a gag. It, that was the angle. And... We're getting it again here. I I don't know what I think of this. I don't know what I can't. I I don't know. If I wasn't if I was a Chris Jericho fan, and I would I love this because I can't switch off my cynicism. We've talked about this on the podcast, it's not a secret. We've feel like we've seen what's gone on here, which is Chris Jericho's seen like that real main event appeal that is suddenly there in Eddie Kingston and has thought, ah, I'll have some of that. And 2.0. <laughs> And 2.0, as they were with Punk and Sting and Derby, have proven themselves perfect guys to theoretically be nobodies, but perfect for main eventers to destroy. So the combination looks almost too cute from our point of view. But if you're a Chris Jericho fan, do you want to see this? And do you want to see Jericho and Eddie Kingston interact? And is Eddie Kingston still kind of bitter about CM Punk? And is he going to snap and turn on Jericho? Or is this all to lead to a Jericho turn for if and when Moxley's ready to return. I, I don't know what I want from this. I, I know what we're getting. We're definitely getting Kingston and Jericho versus 2.0. That's happening. It's going to be... Lose, they'll lose that, obviously. 2.0. <laughs> Naturally, yeah. They'll be the two, the dual two of the week. But um, yeah, that'll be a probably like... That'll be a Rampage main event or something. But I, I don't know where else this goes beyond that. I, I can't quite yet see how the rest of it fits together. Are the inner circle still a thing? I've no idea. Jericho's got four other mates. What's <laughs> more of a thing right now? The inner circle or the pinnacle? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Don't know, brother. I'm not sure the pinnacle's ever been a thing. <laughs> uh, right, we get a nice preview setting up. Uh, John Silver taking on Brian Danielson on Dynamite this week. Uh, he, uh, he says, Silver, he's just shooting on him here. Silver's 30 and making jokes. When I was 30, Danielson says, I was winning world championships. I also like the line, you become the five people you spend the most time with. Does John Silver spend his time with elite people? 
He's so good at this, isn't he? Very nice. Am I you? And have I met John Silver's parents at some point in my life? Because I've got a blood love to see somebody's child get absolutely destroyed. (laughs) I am absolutely drooling at the prospect of what Brian Dynaston is going to do to John Silver. I know that sounds cruel because everybody loves Johnny Hungy and all those fire-ups. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Something we do just want to see in your fake sports, especially especially with you know John John Silver's flexing and Brian Danielson's penchant for flexing recently. Oh man, like I want. Do you know what I want Danielson to do? I want him to do one of them submission moves that involves riding Johnny Hungy so that he gets to be Hangman Page as John Silver used to carry him around like a horse. (laughs) Or like Danielson used to get on his back and wrench in a choke or something. That's like Johnny Hungy can't like tries to horse up, but he's just knees buckle (laughs) lower and and then Brian whips him with his hand like he's a jockey or something. He's literally flogging a dead horse at the end of the match. Exactly that. Can't wait. Cannot Um, wait. Bit of a tangent here, and people are going to laugh. See what happens when Sidgwick isn't on an AEW review. Guess (laughs) whose birthday it was yesterday? Go on. Owen Steens. Oh, is it? He's 14, aka the perfect age to electric cherries. Get that in (laughs) AEW. I wondered you can't I escape it. You think, oh, it's not a WWE podcast. He won't talk about it there. Surprise, motherfucker. Yes, I am. <laughs> right, what are we doing? Oh, yeah, main event of AW Rampage. Well, actually, before that. It's all right. You say you're dropping in an electric chair reference in this one. In about three weeks, Cody will work a one-man chamber horrors match where he'll shock himself. So it's all, <laughs> we'll bring it there instead. So I was going to say we got the main event. Before we got the main event, of course... We were meant to get some sort of promo. What we actually got was Mark Henry going, I ain't going to wrestle with an iPad. And then it just, this shouting match, and to the point that Mark was like, everyone shut up. I've got to say, sounds like this bit enough time. It's time for the main event. You got something in your soundboard that's like, sounds like it's a bit too much talk, quite honestly. <laughs> This is the only issue with with Sid not doing the Rampage review because we have to do this on Zoom. I can't use the soundboard. <laughs> and I'm not doing it. I'm not going to put it in post. We're too busy today. Uh, right. Uh, it was uh, Penta El Zrero and Miedo uh, and Pac versus FTR. See, just said it normally. Mm, Sid isn't there to get wound up, so it's no, it's no fun. If you I've, never, I've never heard it any other way. I don't know exactly. what you're um, So, yes, uh, we start off... Uh, with Cash Wheeler and uh, Penta, who are just so good together, obviously. Um, Pack tags in, uh, and Wheeler gets hit with a double basement drop kick. Pack, uh, when Harwood comes in, hits him with a beautiful high back body drop. Penta does that double stomp to Harwood's, I mean, it's meant to be tailbone. It's an arse kick in it, basically. <laughs> Wheeler comes in to break up the pin, and FTR double team Penta to get the advantage. Um, Pack. Comes in, looks great, and then goes for a springboard and trips over his own feet. <laughs> great, that. Like, re- really, really great selling. We're having it. We're having a giggle. Like, absolutely inspired selling. Yeah. Uh, forearm from from Holwood off the back of that. Uh, Wheeler gets Pack in a Cobra clutch, but Pack fires, fights out of it, sends him to the floor. Uh, but Hull, I just sometimes FTR do stuff, and I know some people. Uh, hot on FTR, and some people are, are, are negative on FTR, but I just they make me fall in love with tag team wrestling every time I see them when they do stuff like this. So Wheeler gets chucked out to the floor, 
Dax Harwood just chucks his partner back in the ring when he's clearly just sort of out of it. But that's because he can just pull him back in and go, right, uh, tag ref, right, I'm, I'm in now. I just love it. Um, but anyway, Harwood gets hit and then Zaguri. Pat goes to tag Penta, but Wheeler's recovered and pulls Penta out to the floor. They hit that demolition, decapitation, elbow thing of theirs that gets a, a near fall. But Rick Knox, Rick Knox, by the way, the Young Bucks referee. Whoa, whoa, whoa. We're playing by the rules here. Which one of you is the legal man? What are you doing, Rick? You never pay any attention during a Young Bucks match. You, I've never seen you do a 10 count on the outside on a Young Bucks match. But all of a sudden, oh, which one of you is the legal man? Are you going to see tag or not? You have no idea. Anyway, I've gone off topic here. Anyway, <laughs> uh, <laughs> Harwood goes for a superplex with Pack. Pack fights out of it, though, shoves him to the mat and hits a nice shotgun drop kick. Always love that from Pack. Um, again, Pack's going for the tag. Wheeler tries to cut him off, but Pack backdrops him, gets Penta. Penta comes in, sling blades, chops. Everyone gets a bit of something. Uh, and he hits uh, that. I don't know what the move is. But that move where he hits a move on one of FTR and flips into a DDT on the other member of FTR, which always looks so good. He's he's all over the place, Penta, here, and the crowd are absolutely loving it. Backstabber on Wheeler gets a two-count as well. He goes for a package pile driver, but Wheeler manages to counter it, and he holds Penta up in this wheelbarrow. Uh, the lovely tribute to the Midnight Express, I've been reliably informed, as Harwood comes off the top with a leg drop. That gets a near fall. Uh, Penta hits a corkscrew cork, code red for a two count as well. Pack gets the tag crossbody, but Harwood rolls through, uh, gets a near fall off that, and uh, Harwood hits a tiger driver for another two count. Tully Blanchard gets up on the apron. He's not happy about the referees counting on that last fall. Uh, Pack and Tully collide, but Pack gets a near fall with a roll up and a bridge off the top of, off of the back of that. Wheeler hits a DDT on Penta on the floor. Pat clothesline Dax Harwood to the floor and uh, moonsaults out there. And he's got the match won. Um, Pack is setting himself up to finish off Harwood on the apron. But out of nowhere, Malachi Black comes in, mists into Pack's only good eye, uh, and uh, Harwood rolls him up. He can't see a bloody thing. Gets the pinfall victory. Post-match, FTR rip the mask off Penta as they celebrate. And Pack is you know writhing around on the floor. He can't see anything. Back Black attacks him again and gouges his eye, his other eye out. He blinds Pack basically and holds up a sort of green and red tinted hand. The green's all the mist, spooky bollocks that he's got, and the red is the blood of Pack. Amphlet, what did you make of all this? Remember in the summer when I kind of like pleaded with our listenership, if you are a wrestling fan and you are not watching AEW, do. This is what we all watch this for. The highs don't come along all the time. And the high after high after high of a really great dynamite. I know Sidgwick likes to go back to, I think it was like March 2020. No, that mm. would have been when the pandemic started. February 2020, just before the pandemic, obviously. And that Rich Vane of Fawn he loves. The one for me was absolutely sort of July through to about September, when I just found every inch of AEW to be completely unmissable. Then it was in the richest vein of form. And as this rampage ended, all I could think of was, it's out. Uh, <laughs> because a good match, not a great one still, I don't think, but a good one, 
went a bit long. I felt it's still a bit dragged a little bit, but it was mm, that's fair. It was better than the other Lucha Brothers FTR matches, which again I think was helped by the weight of expectation being lowered by the cancelled two out of the three falls match. I think everybody sort of accepted, oh, well, this is not going to be what we were hoping mm. for. And as a result, I know I certainly did, went in not being pleasantly surprised. I mean, they're all awesome, but just thinking, well, I don't know what to expect now. And instead, what we got was packs really, really luxurious selling. Like he can't see properly. So of course his high spots are going to be trickier. You know, he's selling body parts as well as his eye. Really, really loved watching Pac work this match and think through how his current circumstances would change what he would normally bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Um, I like FTR being the dicks they are, trying to work Pac up into being as angry as the Lucha Brothers have been because Death Triangle are a unit and they're like, we've got to use the double team you highlighted in particular, but we've got to like, we've got to do these things to try and niggle at Pac because mm. his mind's elsewhere. Let's see if we can bring him in and force him to make a mistake. And in the end, obviously, he doesn't really need to because he gets attacked by Malachi Black. Uh, I don't like the eye stuff. I don't like the eye stuff. I don't like um, Malachi Black's own eye makeup. It's weird. And I thought he looked lame. Like he's there supposed to be. He's got the blood on one hand. He's, you know, he's, was it, there was a bit where he was sat cross-legged after the attack by the guardrail before he, mm. was it before he came back in for the beatdown? I think so. He looked like a fucking clown, man. Like, just... <laughs> I know it was all very theatrical, but where is the guy in the fight shorts that booted Cody's head off on night one? Yeah. Where is he gone? You know, it's like... those. These are the intangibles. That's a vibe, and you either see it or you don't. I'm just not seeing it currently. Um, Pac being blind might offer us the greatest ever blindfold match in wrestling history. <laughs> like, if... If they if they somehow like a, arrive at a point where so Pack has now got poison mist in both his eyes, yeah, so he can't mm-hmm. see, and the question will be, well, can he ever wrestle again? What can this man do? This man that takes flight for a living, if he can't trust himself to leave his feet, you know, like if that's the Pack story, and then Death Triangle come to his, you know, the Luch Brothers come to his aid or something, and gouge one of Alistair Black's eyes, Malachi Black's eyes, in a revenge attack. And as a result, a blindfold match is deemed the fair, you know, the fair way to have this match. Could they have the best blindfold match ever? Quite possibly, yeah. But is it something that you're that Jones in to see? Really? Yeah, because Malachi Black will lose and go, yeah, but I got what I wanted, which was you to have a blindfold match. Now, let's see how long it is before you set yourself on fire. (laughs) <laughs> because I've been known to impact people in different ways than pinning their shoulders to the mat. I don't know why he speaks a little bit like Mauro Ronaldo, Tina Bawadi. <laughs> oh, yeah. well, I don't know. I, I just thought this was a, a decent match with... I thought the, I thought the beatdown was a fat load of bollocks. i got to be honest. And I just... <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not buying it. It doesn't feel real. It doesn't feel earned. And... Everybody in this crop feels like they're spinning the wheels at the moment. Yeah, I just thought at the end of it all, probably should feel more for this as a man's been blinded. Yeah. Maybe like the, the obvious generous, I'm not saying this, I'm just saying you could have this argument. WWE ruined this because they literally took a guy's eye out and then it was like, I'm fine now. Like, yeah, 
if, if they all but team together pretty much nearly on like the Survivor Series, like the, you know, it's like, shouldn't we hate each other a lot more than we do? If, like, is it the point that like everything has been trivialized that none of this stuff feels very serious anymore? But I Maybe. don't want to give AEW the pass, the passages no. for that. I don't think this is particularly good for a wrestling and they're capable of a lot better. I'm just so excited to see how they follow this up because. Oh, it's a roller coaster with Malachi Black. I think it's the best, the nicest way of saying it. In a room, left alone. Agony. So when you're in agony, you scream, right? And he just looks to know where he's not even looking at the camera. That's a nice little thing because he doesn't even know where the camera is. He just a camera's been invited in. And he goes, Why? I <laughs> and that's what this is all for. Well, let us know your. I'm wrapping up there. Let us know your thoughts on AEW Rampage uh, on Twitter at WhatCultureWWE. What I say, you can follow both of us. You can follow Michael Hamflet at Michael Hamflet. You can follow me at Adam Wilborn. Follow us all at WhatCultureWWE. You can uh, pre-order Michael Sidgwick's book, as I said right now, WhatCulture.BigCartel.com. Becoming All Elite: The Rise of AEW. And uh, make sure you subscribe to What Culture Wrestling wherever you get your podcasts from. For daily wrestling podcasts, uh, our review of NXT War Games is available. Uh, we're going to be reviewing SmackDown today and looking ahead to Monday Night Raw later on today. But for now, this has been the AEW Rampage review. My thanks to Michael Hamlet. Thank you for joining us, and we will see you soon. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. <laughs> 